Welcome to the Growing in Wisdom and Favor podcast with me, Giles Stevens, your host. And as I've said before, the desire or the focus I have with these podcasts is literally to help you access wisdom from above and experience favor from above. And as you may have heard me teach about it when the favor of the Lord is upon you, that can make a real, real difference in your life. Doors open, clients are attracted, things happen well beyond your own capacity and reach. And so these are podcasts that have got a real objective uh, to help you in your own life, whatever you're doing. Today, I'm going to be answering one of our one of the age old questions uh, apologetics has tried to answer moralists have tried to answer deep thinkers philosophers and so forth have tried to answer over the years and i want to give you the biblical answer to the question why bad things happen to good people now i'm going to take you straight back into one of my mentoring sessions that i did with my international team and I'll get straight to the point as we dive into this recording, but I really hope this clarifies things for you. See you at the end. Well, let me just let me just touch on another subject that was raised in the group. Why bad things happen to good people? Uh, she asks why the Heavenly Father admits that he is suffering greatly. Okay. Um, I wrote very briefly on the group that to accept Christ is the most important issue, as we are but flowers that flayed, fade here on earth. Let's pray for a miracle healing, but let's also talk about the issue of suffering in our next meeting so that we can give the right answer to this common question. Often the Lord is blamed for the devil's work and for the consequences of sin. Many people ask if God is if God is so powerful, why does he allow such suffering? And this is not a new question, guys. This is age old. Every generation has this question. And one of the reasons that they have the question is, of course, that whenever anything goes wrong on earth, the devil gets people to blame God rather than to look anywhere else. And so as long as they're blaming God, then they're deceived to realize that actually it could be someone else or something else that's caused it. Do you follow? So the devil, remember, is the master of deception. He likes to hide. And so as I write, often what the devil does, we blame God for. It's strange how the human ego works, because if something good happens, we credit ourselves. Something bad happens, we blame God. You can see the inconsistency there. So the problem is never with God. The problem is with the human ego, okay, or self-righteousness, or with the devil. And of course, the devil works with your ego. They have an unholy alliance. And the way that self-righteousness righteousness work is that if something good happens, then that's because I'm so wonderful. That's how self-righteous people think. I deserve that. But if something bad happens, the logic is the same. I don't deserve that because I'm so wonderful. So that's the heart of the problem. As you may have heard me say in the past, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. As long as the ego is doing the thinking, then people will be thinking incorrectly because they'll blame God and justify themselves. But as the scripture says, Paul wrote in Romans, let God be true, 
and every man a liar. There's kind of two sides to this. So number one, the devil's working behind the scenes. He's the God of this age. He's the the source of sickness, not God. You, you guys don't need me to talk too much about this. But Jesus was very clear that the devil or the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give life and life in abundance, John 10.10. 10. I'm sure you've all preached that. And so we know the heart of God and we know the plan of the devil there. There's two plans for your life. Okay, God wants to produce life. The devil will produce death. But the devil disguises himself as the one who's bringing life and then blames God for bringing death. Okay, so he twists the picture. He deceived Eve and he deceives the daughters of Eve today, the sons of Adam today, you can be sure. And so if you need, you know, somebody once said, well, I really want to know what God's like. I really want to know what what God's will is, what, what, what his plan is. Well, if you really want to know what God's like, you know, the eternal God of heaven, what he's like, then look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact expression of God. So if you know what, if you want to know what plans he has and what he, he wants to do for you, look at Jesus. What did Jesus do? When it, we said it earlier, he went around doing good and healing. So if you want to know if God's will is for healing, look at Jesus. Well, who did he make sick? No one. Who did he fill with demons? No one. To the contrary, by the finger of God, he set them free. He healed them. He raised them. He provided for them. So that's God's plan. This is kind of the, the, the simpler thing to see, actually. You know, when somebody gets ill, we say, well, where's God? He's so powerful. Well, where's God? You know, why did God allow this? Well, it's not God's will, but remember how God created the world. Genesis 1 and 26 says, God, uh, and God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. Let them have dominion of all the reptiles of the earth, all the fish of the sea, and upon all the things that crawl upon the earth. So just notice those two phrases. Let us make man, let them have dominion. He, God made man for man to have dominion, not God. God doesn't have dominion on earth. Man does. God has dominion in heaven. He created man to have dominion on earth two different realms. God, man was to be his representative on earth. He was to govern earth, not God. And yet, you know, we tend to blame God when things go wrong on earth rather than thinking, well, hang on, God actually delegated authority. So if somebody's messed up, then it's not God. It's the one he delegated to that messed up. Do you follow? And interestingly, this ties in exactly with the New Testament because Remember when Peter has the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus asked in Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? They answered, ah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter had that moment of lucidity by, in the Holy Ghost. and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and, and Jesus then replies, blessed are thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock, I shall build my church. Everybody remembers that bit. Upon this rock, referring to the revelation he's had. So when you have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, you, you, your nature changes from being sand to being rock. You're something now that Christ can build upon because you've become 
as he is, solid as a rock in your faith. And so Peter has that amazing moment. And then Jesus goes on to say something. I think it's in verse 18 afterwards. And he says, and I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, I know the Catholic interpretation of that is that that was Peter being appointed the first pope and he's got the keys and all this kind of mystical stuff. But don't worry about that. Um, what Jesus was saying and showing is that when you get the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, not only do you become a rock, but he also passes to you the keys. And keys represent authority. The person who has the keys has the power. If you think about it, you can have a huge, great metal doors, with, which are a meter thick, but the person who holds the key to that door has the power has the authority. It's the one who has the keys, who can open and close, can bind and loose. And so Jesus here is saying to Peter, I give you the keys. What he's saying there is the dominion that you lost, the authority that you lost at, or that man lost in the garden, I'm now passing back to you. I've won it. I, I went, Jesus is saying, look, through my death, through my descent into Hades, through my conquest and disarming of the enemy. And what did he disarm the enemy of? The keys. He came up from the grave with the keys and passed them across to Peter and all those who believe, all those who believe that Jesus is the Christ. And he said, I'm giving you back authority or dominion on earth. Are you following the logic here? And so, but the question again comes then, who's got the keys? Or put it slightly differently, who hasn't got the keys? Well, the devil doesn't have the keys. We just heard that. But who else doesn't have the keys? Jesus doesn't have the keys because he passed them across. Just as he did in the beginning, he passed the keys to Adam, said, you govern here on earth. So too, he comes back, redeems the world, redeems mankind, takes the keys back off the devil, the thief who stole the keys, but then he doesn't keep them himself. He says, all authority and power has been given unto me. But then he passes that authority and dominion. Remember in Luke 10, he says, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. In other words, you got the power back, boys. You got the authority. I'm giving you keys. I don't have it anymore. And so, and how do we use the keys? Well, he tells us that as well. In my name, cast out demons in my name, heal the sick in my name. You ask me anything in my name. When you use the name, you use the keys. And uh, so man has now got authority back on earth, or, or excuse me, believers have authority back on earth. The teachers have called the authority of the believer comes through the transfer, the delegated authority of Christ. Remember, authority, the word authority comes from the word author, the originator. So the author authorized. Okay, he passed authority. We've been authorized as his representatives here on earth. Amen. Detracted a little bit from the main point here about suffering. My point is this. God gets bad rap for stuff that the devil does or that we've done. So there's the issue of the devil's working, but there's also the issue of the consequences of sin. Why is there so much sickness on earth today? Well, not because of God's will, but because the devil has been working to make man sin and through sin comes death. And remember, sickness is the first stage of death. It's the spirit of death. Any sickness drives you to the grave. It takes your life from you. So really, it's all death. And Christ is against death. And that's clear. So we've, we blame God for stuff that the devil's doing. 
but also that we've allowed through sin. Now, once again, as soon as you realize that you've been justified, that your sins are forgiven, then that gives no place for the devil or for sickness in your life, which is why when Jesus ministered to the paralytic on his bed, he first of all said to him, son, your sins are forgiven. Then he said, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Because whoever understands that their sins are forgiven can now rise up because sickness has no place on them. They've been justified. And if they've been justified, then there's no place for a curse. Sickness has no right over them anymore. It did have a right when there was sin, but now they've been cleansed. No right. Gotta go. You can rise up. So actually, again, healing for us evangelists comes through the preaching of the remission of sins. Some preachers want to jump the whole issue of remission of sins. No, preach justification by faith. Preach the remission of sins and healing will be the natural consequence. People will rise up, take up their beds and walk. And why take up the bed? Well, it's symbolic. The bed is a place of rest. So you walk around saying, I got healed because I rested in Christ, not because I did anything, but because what he did for me. That's your testimony now. You follow? So, but, so let's just think quickly here. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's That very thinking is self-righteous thinking. It's the ego thinking. Remember that the natural mind is an enemy against God. It's demonic. It's carnal. It's the way the devil thinks. If God was good, why does he let this happen to you? If God was so good, why wouldn't he give you the fruit from all the trees to eat? So he's always trying to tarnish the image of God. So, so you've got to be able to recognize the voice of the enemy because actually the question is completely unfounded. It's the wrong question to ask. Because let's think about the scripture again, Ephesians 2, scripture says that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, children of wrath, filled with the spirit of disobedience. And, and those of us who are in that state, God, who, who is rich in mercy, abundant in grace, he has raised up. So what was the state of mankind without Christ? It's really clear, dead, children of wrath. Okay, slow down a bit then. So you're saying, why do good things happen to, excuse me, why do bad things happen to good people? Where are these good people you keep talking about? Jesus himself said, who is good but God? There's no such thing as a good person from a biblical perspective. We're all children of wrath. We're all children dead in our trespasses and sins. So you can see how the question is completely wrong. Bad things happening to good people. Rubbish. We're all bad people. Now let's ask the question. Let's turn it around. Why does anything good happen to bad people? That's a much better question because we all deserve death. We're all sinners. We're all enemies of God. We've made a, and remember what sin is. It's not just, it's not just rebellion. It's not just sort of rejection of God, wanting to be independent of God. It's rebellion against God. It's, it's fighting against him. That's what we were all doing, destroying his creation. Now, listen, if you have an army that come into from a foreign land, just think with me, and want to destroy your land, your house, rape your wife, kill your children, how are you going to respond to that? You'd probably pull out your sword and go after them until you kill them. God is rich in mercy. Wow. Abundant in grace. So he treated his enemies with love. Wow, he died for his enemies, these guys who were destroying his creation. God forgives rapists. God forgives murderers. God forgives liars. Extraordinary. 
Why does anything good happen to us is the real question. Who We who are enemies, rebellious, independent, selfish, prideful, why would anything good happen? Why does God even get the sun to shine on us and the rain to fall on us? That's the real question. It's amazing, his grace, let alone want to save us and redeem us and, and give us this inheritance with Christ. I mean, the mind boggles. I'm getting myself stirred up here. Hallelujah. So can you see how you got two different mentalities here? You've got the natural mind and the spiritual mind. You've got the wrong question and you've got the right question. People ask the wrong question because that's what the devil puts inside of them. Why would this happen to me? I'm so good. And the victim spirit that prevails across the world today in every nation is based on self-righteousness. I'm such a nice guy. How can anything bad happen to me? It's just not fair. I'm going to blame everybody else rather than looking inside their own heart and saying, hang on, I'm a sinner. I deserve a lot worse than this, actually. The fact that I got clothes on my back, food on my table, roof over my head is an amazing blessing already. I should be grateful rather than complaining the whole time. You see the prevail. I mean, this is the demonic spirit that's everywhere in the world today, in the media, in social media, causing, causing division in countries and schools. Just it's that spirit, antichrist spirit, ultimately. It makes God the liar and it makes man good. It makes man think, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. Friend, you deserve nothing. So as soon as you see yourself like that, now, you see, if you realize, hang on, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve any. But then there's a God in heaven who loves me. And I'm going to trust in his love and his goodness, rather than my just deserts, my self-righteousness. If you come to that place, you're in a place to receive miracle power. But as long as the person feels like a victim, they cannot be saved. Because how can you repent from your sins if you feel like you're the victim? You're still full of pride. You won't admit, you won't confess any sin. It's everybody else's problem. It's not your problem. I'm blame, blame, blame. Like Adam in the garden. It's the woman you gave me. You know, it's it's whoever. It's just not my problem. But what does God, the Bible say? God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What's humility? Admitting it. Admitting it. So when something bad happens to you, you know, you say, well, hang on, I deserve actually much worse. I'm sick, but I actually deserve hell. But I hear about a God in heaven who, despite the fact that I'm a sinner, wants to give me life, wants to heal me. And I'm going to trust in that. That's a humble heart. That's the person who gets healed. I think I'm going to write a book, not why does bad things happen to good people, but why do good things happen to bad people? It'd be a good one, wouldn't it, Collins? <laughs> But we're in the era of apologetics here, and we need to be able to give answers to people. And I hope what I've said has helped clarify a few things in your own mind. But watch out when people start blaming God for permitting stuff. You can show them, actually, you know, man's in control on earth or, you know, man and the, de the devil, depending on whether you're redeemed or not. And then show the problem of self-righteousness in the heart, because that will help the person get healed. As long as they think that they don't deserve it. They're not in a place to be able to receive grace. Can you, can you see that? Grace, grace is unmerited favor. Grace is when you, when you, you deserve one thing, you get another because of God's goodness. So you can't, you can't access that grace if, if, if you're in a place of self-righteousness. I'm the victim. I deserve much better than this. When you come to the place when you realize, hey, man, I deserve much worse than this, but God loves me. Then you're in the place where you can receive grace. You're in the place of humility. Amen. Hallelujah.
Guys, I've kind of given you two short sermons, Dex. Excuse me. <laughs> but I hope this helped today. Well, that was so great to be able to share openly from my heart about this issue and to give you a real biblical perspective. And I tell you, this question is so old, but it's still being asked in every nation, in every generation. And I believe we really need to get the truth to people. It is, of course, the truth that sets you free. And so please do share this message. Please do learn the principles that I've shared uh, so that we can help people really make sense out of their lives. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week.